right. Welcome to the podcast, Kayla. Hi, Ethan. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm literally so excited to dive into this conversation. I feel like it's going to be a good one. I think so, too. Um, yeah, so I would love to start it out. Uh, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself, uh, what you're working on, the projects that you're excited about these days, and yeah, why are you excited about Wait, I literally love that. I feel like I don't often get to talk about the projects that I have coming up. I am Kayla Rose. I am the podcast host of Skinny Dipping. Skinny Dipping is a top podcast where we talk about the mind, the body, and the soul in order to create actionable change in our lives. I like to take the theoretical and take uh, a combination and intersectionality of like the woo-woo and the spirituality and the energetics of life mixed with the mental health sciences and really understanding the brain and the body in order to create this actionable change because we can talk about this in theory all day long, but it's like, how do we apply it? How is it applicable to our lives? So that is I, that is me, I guess, in a, in a nutshell. And just all around, I'm a soul in progress. That is like the overall arcing theme of my brand, like above the podcast, just on all my platforms. I love to remind people that we are souls in progress and we are on this human experience journey to simply do that, to experience and to unbecome all that we are not and become everything that we truly are. And yeah, soul in progress. So right now I'm actually working on merch and it's like soul in progress merch. And I am just so excited about that. That's something that's coming through for me right now. I have a new season of my podcast on metamorphosis and I have amazing guests on as well as solo episodes. And I just really was drawn to the idea of the butterfly and how she is a caterpillar to chrysalis to butterfly and it is just inevitable like the butterfly does not get impatient because she is in a chrysalis she is in that waiting period she needs to be a caterpillar first she needs to go through like the muck and have like little little tiny legs that don't get her very far and then eventually she has wings and i was feeling really inspired by metamorphosis and how it is inevitable because i think in our process of healing and growing and and even just becoming successful i think that we get really impatient and we see people who are at their peak of success and we're like oh why can't i get there and in reality they had this whole metamorphosis journey to get to where they are and i just genuinely believe the more that we can all believe that our success is inevitable us like us becoming the butterfly and spreading our wings is inevitable like when we realize that the journey of metamorphosis becomes a lot easier so that's kind of like what i got going on right now in in summary amazing yeah i, lo I love to think of transformation as like or, or especially career success as like you don't see anything happen and you're putting in the work for years and then it's just like there's all these stories of overnight successes but it's like yeah but there's also years that they worked up until that point where everything took off and i just love to literally think of it that way and i've been thinking about that so much recently because i was at this meditation retreat in pahoa on the big island and um this younger girl, Kate, I befriended her. She like follows me on TikTok and I like showed up and she was like, oh my God, I follow you on TikTok. And I was like, can we just be friends and like forget about that? But we got really close and she was opening up to me and and I asked her if I could share the story because I find it very interesting. And she was like, oh my gosh, like I had this crazy session with this girl and I had this huge breakthrough moment in my healing. 
And I think it's similar with overnight success. You have that breakthrough moment in success. And she's like, it's so weird because I've been in therapy three years and I haven't had that breakthrough moment. And I like looked at her and I was like, can I reframe for you? Because I love to reframe for my friends. I love to like just like ask them to look at things from a little bit little bit of a different perspective. And she was like, yeah, reframe for me. And I was like, okay, it's not that one session that made you had this huge breakthrough. It's all those years of therapy, everything that you've been working up to, to soften yourself into this moment to where you could break through and have that moment. And I think it's the same thing with success is like, yeah, we see people have that one video go viral or their, their podcast shoots to the tops of the charts or whatever it is. And we see it as this one moment when in reality is it is a collective of moments leading up to that. So I've been thinking about that a lot too, because I just know that that is just how life is. And we see things as singular when in reality it is the butterfly effect, literally the butterfly effect of everything happening, the dominoes falling into place to get you to that moment of success or maybe a breakthrough in your healing journey or maybe just like a big realization in your life or you getting to have the courage or bravery to make a big move or or to go after what you want. Like it's never that one moment. It's the collection of your life experiences that have led you to that moment. Totally, totally. Um yeah, I've been thinking about it. You use the butterfly metaphor a lot. I've been actually using the phoenix metaphor. That's been my one of choice of sort of death rebirth. A little more uh, grungy, a little less uh, delicate oh, love of a phoenix. metaphor, but but death and rebirth really uh, along that lines line these days. Um, yeah, I as you were, phoenix. what's that? <laughs> I love the phoenix. I also love the phoenix. I think the phoenix is so beautiful. I feel like the last like two years, I was like a phoenix, like literally every month, death and rebirth. And now I'm like, okay, I don't need a death and rebirth every single month. <laughs> but that's it's a whole intense. other story. Yeah. Yeah. Phoenix is very intense. Um, so as you were speaking, I was, I was catching something that I think could be interesting to talk about, which is you know, if you're going to make this overnight transformation, you have years building up to it, which also implies that you're showing up every single day for those years and not seeing results or, or you're just showing up and doing the small thing that needs to happen, even if there's no major change that you're seeing. And this is something I run up against a lot of, like, I always ask myself, like, am I actually changing? Am I actually transforming? Like, it doesn't feel like progress is being made, but I'm showing up every day for the thing. And I would love to get your thoughts on like just recognizing showing up each day for the small thing can can end up with that big transformation. Um, and one last thing, you on one of your podcasts, you talked about like transforming the people pleaser habits. And I think this is a perfect example because like you can show up and you can like be a little bit more disagreeable in one situation or like not not have as much of an inner critic in some situations maybe eventually it will lead to overcoming this people pleaser pattern but it's like a bunch of small chisels or or a bunch of small changes that eventually you look back it's like oh oh now i can be disagreeable but I, but i didn't realize when the change happened 
Yeah, no. And it's so funny because I think when you don't see like your, do you have like a nephew or a cousin or something? Like when you don't see like a little kid for a while and they were like so small and then you see them like two years later and then all of a sudden like they're super grown up and like, cause I have little nephews and I think about that analogy, like looking at my little kid nephews and when I don't see them for two years cause of COVID for example. And then all of a sudden I see them, I'm like, whoa, you're so big but everyone that's been with them every single day including themselves don't see that they're getting older every single day because we don't notice when we are with our we are with ourselves every single day of our lives so we are not seeing that big change but from the outside from people who see us and observe us it actually does feel like there is a big change happening but because we are constantly with ourselves we do not see that change does that make sense i oh, is yeah, that, i sure. feel like that's kind of what for i was sure. imagining when you were saying that And I think, I think there's this moment in your life where you just have to realize that there will always be something else on the other side that you're working towards. And there's always going to be a version of yourself behind you. And that just is the the future and, and the past. They do exist. And I think there's a moment where we have to make the choice to be present and to be grateful for where we are and be like, wow, look at how fucking far I've come. And that's what I noticed that people don't do enough is like looking back at who they used to be and being like, wow, I actually have changed. And I think if we take more moments of presence in that realization of, wow, actually, like I have been putting in the work and maybe I'm not to where I want to be in the end. But for right now, I have made some strides even in the small ways. And I think the more that we can practice just observing and becoming aware of our successes, like the smallest little successes from, you know, now, for example, like you were talking about the people pleasing, like now I feel comfortable saying if something that somebody did made me upset. Like, for example, like the other day I was going surfing with my friends and I like told them the night before, I was like, are you sure you want to come? I'm going to load up the boards for you. My boyfriend's going to load up the boards for you. It's going to be inconvenient for us. So are you sure that you are going to come? Like giving them like an adult talking to because I know them and I know that they can be flaky. So I was just like, promise me you guys are going to come. I get up the next morning, like I go, I'm driving to surf. No, I don't, I don't hear it's Saturday. I don't hear back from them. I'm just like, okay. And my boyfriend's like, they totally went out last night. They totally got drunk. They're totally sleeping in. And I'm like, that's fine. But the lack of communication is annoying, obviously. So then when they texted me at like 11 being like, oh my God, dude, like we slept in, like we went out last night and I kind of just didn't answer because I was like, honestly, that's disrespectful and kind of annoying. And I asked you guys, but then she did text me and she said, Kayla, I'm really sorry. It must have been annoying to load up the boards. And in that moment when she apologized, I could have totally been like my people pleaser self from the past could have been like, oh, it's fine. No worries. Like just been happy she apologized. But instead, I just said, thank you for apologizing. Honestly, it was kind of annoying, but I forgive your apology and just let me know next time. And it's like in that moment, that was a sign of growth for me, for my people pleaser self that I wasn't like, oh, it's okay, brushing it off and actually being like, thank you for apologizing. 
it's all good for the future, but in the future, like don't do that again. And I think it's in those little moments that we can have gratitude for ourselves and be like, damn, I have gotten braver. I have been, I have gotten better at moving through uncomfortable situations and having uncomfortable conversations. I have gotten better at standing up for myself. I have gotten better of letting go of those people pleaser tendencies and speaking my truth because to have true authentic friendship and connection, you need to come from a place of true authenticity of how you feel. And yeah, I don't know that. I don't even know if I answered a question or anything, but I think in the little moments, like I worked up to that and when you get to that moment where you see a change we forget to sit in gratitude and appreciation for how far that we've come and i think that the more we can have recognition for how far that we've come the more that we will be able to see the change in 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 the small ways because i feel like we're constantly searching for a big leap of change but in fact we're never going to see that because just like my nephew analogy before we spend every day with ourselves we're not going to see those big changes over time it's going to be those little changes throughout throughout our weeks that we have the ability to notice totally i think it's i think it's so important and when i look at my life i'm like i don't take enough moments to actually appreciate how far i've come it's always like the goal is so much more enticing I always see the goal and it's like, it seems so much more enticing than, oh, I don't need to, I can justify not being grateful for the past moments, but yeah, it's more of like a, oh, I don't need to justify it. It just needs to happen. Yeah. Um, But the goal, there's always going to be another goal. That's why we have, that's why we have to stop and pause and be like, damn, I actually have come really far because of course there's places that I want to go. That's, that's farther than where I am right now. But once I get there, there's going to be another goal because that's how the ego works. The ego is constantly chasing after the future. So the more that we can take control of the present and be like, okay, I'm actually going to have appreciation for where I am right now. Like the more, we will get to the goal that we want faster by being fueled and motivated by gratitude than by a place of lack. And like, I don't have that yet. Like when you keep thinking about like everything you don't have, that just allows us to be motivated by guilt and shame and, and productivity guilt. And just thinking that we need to achieve something to be worthy rather than realizing, okay, I can actually really like where I am right now. I can love myself now. I can like where I am now. I can be proud of where I'm at right now. I don't have to get all the way there to be proud of myself now because what happens is people get to where they want to be, where they think, quote unquote, they think that they are going to be proud of themselves then. And then they get there and then there's just another goal to chase. So if we're constantly on that fucking rabbit wheel, like or hamster wheel, sorry, rabbits don't run on wheels, a hamster wheel. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, it's like, we're just constantly going to be on the hamster wheel if we don't stop and have appreciation because there's always going to be another goal. Right, right. This is something really interesting that I wanted to bring up with you because you said, I was going to ask you what soul and progress means to you because it's not exactly I'm not exactly sure what it means. I I can see many different things that you could refer to it Mm. as, but I wanted to provide some context, which is like one of the things that I've noticed in this sort of like new age space that kind of irks me is this, is this, there's always something more to heal. And then there's like, there's always something to heal that it, that, that actually just showing up for ourselves can be put on the back burner because we're always like uh, I need to heal this stuff before I go out and do the thing that I want to do I need I have this trauma that needs to be healed before I go and 
do film the podcast or, or, or whatever it is we're excited about. And so I, I appreciate the, like, yes, there are goals and there is more potential healing that needs to happen that, but also not always trying to look for the next thing to heal yeah. uh, feels important. So I'd love to hear what soul in progress means or how you relate to like, there's always more work to do, but that doesn't mean that we're lacking. No, that is like literally such a good question. Cause I so agree. And I went down this rabbit hole when I was about like two years into my spiritual journey. Um, so about like yeah, a year, year and a half ago now. And I realized that I was constantly acting like I was a project that needed to be fixed. And I had all the, I had a grocery list of things that I wanted to heal and change about myself and, and patterns I just didn't like about myself. And, and I do agree. Like it is a fucking issue. Like we get into this like healing mindset or self-improvement mindset and we read all the books and we listen to all the podcasts. And at some point you just have to choose to like love who you are in the moment. And I think it's both. And I think that's like the paradox of the soul in progress. I believe that like we come down as these souls to simply experience life. Like there is no end goal. Like we are just here to learn lessons and experience life and get to experience what it means to like be a human in a human body because our souls are multi-dimensional ever living beings. And when we are in human bodies, it confines that. So it allows us to know what life and death is and it allows us to know what good and bad is and it and it allows us to know what happiness and pain is. And and when we're in this human experience, we get to experience those things. So I think the point of the soul in progress is looking looking at the experience and being like, it is just a progression. Like there is no end goal. Like there is literally no end goal in being human. There is no perfect human. There is no perfect healed version of yourself. It's just, it just, there, it, there, it isn't that because when you really think about it, no such thing exists because we are simply here to experience. So soul in progress is not necessarily saying like that we have a goal to get to, but that there is no goal except to just literally be and exist and experience. And I just really believe that is the point of life. And, and, and I feel like we can get caught up in, in, um, the healing paradox of like, you want to heal. And at the same time, like you feel like you hate yourself because you don't like where you are. And what I always, always tell my audience and the message, if I could get one message across to literally every single person in this world, it is that we are all inherently worthy. And yes, it is a progression and we are here to experience and not but, but and, because it, it is both, it is, it is the paradox of it. And both can exist simultaneously that we are inherently worthy and we don't have to do or be or achieve literally anything to be worthy, to love ourselves, to feel good about ourselves, to feel proud of ourselves. Like, like everything that tells us that we have to be anything to feel good about ourselves is a program that's pushed onto us by society, by capitalism, by the patriarchy, by just like the systems that we have in place that have taught us that like we aren't good enough. And if I could get one message across, like through the soul and progress, it's like, yeah, it's a progress. It's an experience. And like, you are inherently worthy in every single phase. 
like every single phase, like the moon, for example, like the moon is in so many phases. Sometimes she doesn't even exist. Sometimes she's not even there. And yet the moon is the most beautiful thing, literally that we can see from earth. And I think we love it in every single phase. And yet we feel like we have to judge ourselves when we are in a phase, when we are not fully whole. And I just really believe that we are inherently worthy and we are here to experience. So yeah, I honestly, I haven't thought so, and I gotta be honest with you, Ethan, I haven't thought so in detail about like what soul and progress means to me because I feel like it just is. Like, I just feel like when I say it, like I get it and I haven't like put words to it. So thank you for asking me that question because that was a really good question and it really made me pause and think and be like, okay, what is soul and progress? Because it really just came to me like as a download, like it just like channeled through me and I didn't even think about it. I was just like, I just can feel what soul and progress feels like. And it's not like, it doesn't have anything to do with an end goal. It literally only has to do with like being in every single phase that you're in and experiencing life to the absolute fullest through every single phase. So thank you for asking that. You asked really good questions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, you you gave a good explanation, but I have the sense that it's probably more than that, or or you it seems like you're just living it, and it's just how you're showing up. Yeah, in life is, and so how could you put words on that? It's like a um, feeling. I know. I and it, it feels like a feeling, and it also feels like a knowing. Like it feels like a clear cognizant, like knowing. Like I just know what that means, but I haven't really sat down to like put put words to it, which is like fun. I feel like that's gonna be a little. A little challenge for me i'm gonna think about this afterwards and then i'll and then i'll message you and let you know what i come up with <laughs> i want to meditate on it nice nice yeah i love i love um one of the ideas that's fascinated me most is you you said it's like a feeling it's not an idea and one of the thinkers that i really like talks about there's like four different modes of knowing right and there's like a propositional which is like i can study text and facts and like learn them and that, that's like one way of knowing but he's like, there's actually three other ways of knowing, knowing through like participating in something. If you're in a group of people in participation, there's like this participatory knowing, or there's this like uh, ability to take perspective. So if someone has like a perspective and you like put yourself into their perspective, that is a form of knowing. Um, and then there's like a learning how to ride a bike is not the same thing as any of those other three kind of like learning by doing. And I just, I really love thinking about um, yeah, how so many different things in life can't be known through studying facts like especially you said like meditation meditation is one of my favorite things and it's like the insights i get from a meditation sit it's it's not words obviously like it's literally just a it's a it's a presence i have it's not even a feeling you know like it's it's noticing feelings it's just like awareness and it's like how do you even put that into words i don't know I don't know either. I know. That's why I feel like art is so special, like music and dance and paintings and just even poetry. Like it allows us to put alchemization and transmutation to things that we can't really like speak. That's why I feel like art is so special because it allows us to Ha like transmute that awareness to something that we can like see or feel or experience, which is so cool, which is so cool. Totally. I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, which was like, I think there's a little bit more to talk about on this. Are you coming from a place of wholeness or lack? This feels like a really essential topic and thing that I've been thinking about in my life. And one of my 
one of my friends uses the framework of uh, negative one, zero, positive one, which I find really helpful. It's like negative one is like, I'm coming from a place of lack. I need to do this self-help thing to fix myself. And zero is like, I feel okay. I don't feel great. I don't feel shitty, but like, I just want to like get better. And then one, which I think what you were alluding to is I'm overflowing with wholeness and I want to share that with other people. So the way that I show up in my work and my career is just because I want other people to feel the degree of wholeness that I feel. Shows. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and that doesn't mean not showing up in the world. And so, and so there's something, there's something here. Cause you talked about like, I am whole and I, I don't need to do anything in order to feel whole, I don't need to have something that is being advertised to me. I don't need to achieve some sort of uh, income level career goal or something like that. Um, but at the same time, like when I look at you as a person, I'm like, you're showing up and you're like doing stuff, like you're like really active in the world. And so it seems very paradoxical, right? And like one of the, I heard this um, quote, I think it was a Zen quote or something like that. And it was like, you are your existence is utterly perfect in this moment and you've got some work to do or something yes. like that. Like, that that's how i relate both to and it. yeah exactly both and it's like i am utterly perfect and i've got some work to do and i've got some work to do on myself i've got i've got so many things to do and yeah, I have some other thoughts on that, but I'm curious yeah. to that spark. No, I'm definitely like something's coming up for me that I really want to share. And I think it's about the intention behind the self-improvement. What is your intention when you go to the gym? Is it because you love yourself or is it because you hate yourself? What is your intention when you go to therapy? Is it because you love yourself or it is, is it because you hate yourself? When we're doing the self-improvement things when we're showing up in meditation in movement in therapy in in learning through books through podcasts the intention changes everything because something can be the exact same physical thing on the outside but once you give it a different intention it completely it completely changes what what the act is in itself and that's what i always think about and coming from a place of wholeness is saying I'm working on myself and I'm doing my shadow work and I'm learning about things that are going to help my life um, because I love myself and I, and I already feel whole and I feel like I am deserving of giving this love to myself. And what that feels like is doing things that make me feel better. So healing deeper, showing up for myself in the gym, that is going to make me feel better. And I feel like I'm going to do that because I'm deserving of that because I am worthy of that. And I know that and I feel whole in myself and I know I don't need those things, but those things make me feel good. So I'm showing up as a form of self-love. When we come from that perspective, we are able to do the work and put in the work from this not not effortless place because it's it's never going to feel effortless right because we like are human and we like have to like do human things but it almost feels what's the right word for it not effortless but it doesn't come with this guilt and this shame like we can't hate ourselves into evolution we can't hate ourselves into change and yet we try um, my friends that really struggle deeply with like eating disorders and and really are like super strict about like going to the gym, eating certain meals. It's like you're they're trying to change themselves. And I've experienced this, too, trying to change ourselves through 
hating ourselves and shaming ourselves and just disliking ourselves. And that's coming from a place of not believing that we are worthy of, of having lack and having lack of self-respect, lack of self-worth, lack of self-love. And when we're coming from that place of lack, change happens, but I don't think it sticks. I don't think it stays. I think the change that comes from a place of love and wholeness and, and believing that we are deserving of that love, that is what really changes us. And not even changes us, but evolves us like the butterfly. Like we're completely a different being when we come from a place of love. So it is both. And like you can love yourself inherently and you can fucking show up and work on yourself. Because for me, showing up and working on myself is a form of self-love. And when I'm coming from that intention of I am already whole, so I deserve this, that is when the real evolution happens. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's just what was coming up for me when we were talking about that. No, it totally did. It totally did. And there's, there's something here too, which is like, I almost want to make the case that it's not truly self-loving if you know that something would support yourself and you choose not to do it. Like if you're like, I have a decision to go to the gym or to not go to the gym and I know that it would make me healthier and that I'd feel better, but I'm going to choose to not do it. To me, that's almost like an act of self-hatred or like, or like, even if you like just sit in your room and you're like, I love myself, every, like everything is okay as it is. It's like, I, I almost have this sense of like in my life, the more I tell myself that it doesn't matter how much I tell myself that if I don't actually do the things that will support my well-being. And so like, if I have the decision like a, a fork in the road of to do something that like supports well-being or not and I choose not it's like it's like subconsciously implicitly telling myself that oh you're actually not worth showing up for totally action is everything words there there's intention and then there's belief and then there's action that's like the fucking holy trinity of becoming who you want to be it's like you have the intention and then you got to believe that you actually like can do it. And you got to have like those thoughts and that programming that those beliefs coming through. And then you got to have the action. Life is nothing without action. We are in these little avatars that are three dimensional and see, I can hit my hand and it can hurt. Like we aren't, we aren't like multidimensional beings right now. Like we're not like we have been placed in these human bodies. And with that, we can't do anything just from here. We can't just do anything just from here. We also need our body. We also need to take action. We actually need to do the things that, that we know are going to just make us feel good. Like, I don't know. Like I, I go through periods too, where I feel, you know, resistance towards I feel resistance towards going and working out or I feel resistance towards my meditation or I feel resistance towards uh, my journaling and, and look at, or resistance towards therapy, whatever it is. Like I have times that I have resistance, but that resistance cannot, cannot win. It cannot win because we have to have devotion for ourselves, that self-love, that self-devotion that is saying, I am going to show up even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to show up even when my ego comes in and self-sabotages and says, you know, you shouldn't do that. Cause it's like, where I always ask myself, like, where does the resistance lie? And usually when I'm avoiding journaling, the resistance lies in me not wanting to look at hard parts of myself. When I am, um, 
avoiding or having resistance towards going to the gym or working out. I know working out makes me feel so much better. I know that I'm having self-sabotaging behaviors because I want to stay in a stuck state. And I know that movement helps me get unstuck. So it's like, our minds are going, our egos, they're going to like tell us like, oh, don't do these things. But it's like, we have to have devotion and we have to have, like you said, like that unconditional self-love to show up. Because if we don't, it's like, it is, a, I agree. It's like a form of self-hatred. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think the resistance to is, is when we try to change our identity, there's like inherent resistance from our old identity, right? It's like, if I yeah. don't see myself as someone that goes to the gym and to start going to the gym is like literally destroying the old identity and like installing a new one. And it's like inherently painful, inherently, there's inherent resistance in that. And one of the examples that I wanted to bring up too was, you talk about showing up when there's resistance. And I think what's implied is like showing up over long periods of time, consistency over long periods of time. And it's like, if I, I don't know, let's say I have the ambition to be a writer. I, I, I personally really love to write. And, and something I've been playing with a lot these days is if I never write, I can't call myself a writer. But if I show up every single day to write for a full year, then I can't not call myself a writer. It's just like, oh, I've, I've, I've literally like proven it to myself that I have shown up for this thing every single day. And a lot of it is like the resistance. I think something relevant here is resistant to actually living well or like actually achieving stuff that we want to um and I don't know that I have the story that there's some goals where we think it will change everything for us and there's almost a resistance to achieving it because what we know deep down that when we achieve it it's not actually going to change anything or or um on the flip side it's like if we if we actually showed up for ourselves every single day let's say like with a podcast, then there is a chance that it could fail, but it would be like a real failure and it would hurt. We're afraid of facing what it, what, what is the stories that will come up about myself if I actually fail? Yeah, no. And that's super, super scary. I think a lot of people think that they're scared of failure when they're actually like scared of success, <laughs> especially when it comes to like podcasting or social media, because then there's this like subconscious fear of like, or even like in writing, like, am I going to be judged? Because when your work is seen, when you are successful in that capacity and it reaches that level, we a lot of us have this subconscious fear. Pretty much everyone that I know that's at all like an artist or a creator that wants to be seen, they think they want to be seen, but then there's all these subconscious blocks around, well, I don't want to be seen because I don't want to be judged, rejected. Um, yeah, all those subconscious fears coming up. And I totally agree about the writer thing also. like. I feel like for so long, I was like, never called myself a podcaster. I was like, oh, I do a podcast. But now like, I'm like, I'm a podcaster. And just like, it's really hard to say. <laughs> like I've had to like literally practice and like ingrain in my mind. I'm like, Kayla, it's your job. You're getting paid, you're a podcaster. <laughs> like just like trying to give proof and evidence to my mind. Um, but I think there is like a fear of failure. Yes, I think that. And there's also like a fear of success. Oh, totally. Um, You're killing it, by the way. Do you edit any of this? Sometimes. Usually I don't, but usually I at the end, I'll usually chop it up into clips or something, but I usually don't like edit the full thing. 
Oh yeah, nice. I like uh, do like a little bit. Yeah, sometimes sometimes I lose train of thought like right now, so I'll probably edit this out. Um, That's okay. I lose my train of thought literally all the time. I have ADHD, so I'm like <laughs> I'm always losing my train of thought. Yeah, no, I think I think there's something here we can bring up. So. Um, in one of your podcasts, you talk about like working with the feeling of embarrassment, which I think is deeply related to shame. I think this feels deeply relevant to the being afraid of success, being afraid of being seen, because when you said being afraid of being seen by lots of people, what, what it registered in me was like feeling embarrassed. Mm -hmm. If, if I, if I am judged or I do something wrong, there's like this fear of embarrassment or the shame that comes with embarrassment. Um, I'd love to hear your take on that. Or it seems like you've, you've done a lot of thinking on like being okay with the feeling of embarrassment or actually embracing it. Yeah. Wait, it's actually like so funny because like, I am like the queen of embarrassing myself, like my friends and like my boyfriend, like everyone just knows that like, I will do like the most embarrassing shit in public. I will just, <laughs> I will just do it. Like, <laughs> I feel like when I was younger, it was like literally just a form of like, look like I would just turn the other way like I wouldn't I would just try not to direct my attention towards what other people thought of me and I think that's reflected into my adult life I think that everyone gets embarrassed and the first thing to realize is that that's totally normal and to give yourself grace in that because what we resist persists so if you keep telling yourself don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed all you're going to think about is being embarrassed and you're just hyper fixating and focusing on this embarrassment when in reality it is in our core programming, in our DNA, from an evolutionary perspective to not want to be rejected. And I feel like embar embarrassment, like you said, directly relates to that rejection. Because, you know, when we were like in tribes, <laughs> no, sorry, not tribes, but you know what I mean? Like when we were in big groups yeah, yeah. of like hunter and gatherers uh -huh. and like before we were like fully evolved, basically we needed our group to like us so that we would travel in a group and we would all work together. And then if you were away from your group or if you were rejected or if you were kicked out of the tribe, then you were at risk of literal death. So I think we all have this like evolutionary based subconscious programming to avoid and move away from the pain and the possibility of being rejected by a community or by a group of people like at our core like we are programmed to believe that and i think that is so important to realize and just take a second and be like okay i give myself grace for not wanting to be rejected for wanting people to like me for not wanting to be embarrassed like this is normal this is a human thing and that's okay and not but but and because it's both and it's so important to realize you need to remind yourself that you are safe like i am safe for people not to like me mm. i am safe for people to reject me or i am safe to be misunderstood i feel like we all have such good intentions and we need to realize that no matter what your intention is or who you are or what you do, people are constantly projecting their beliefs about themselves and about the world onto you. So whatever people see you as is really a direct reflection of their inner world, of how they see themselves. And once I realized that truth, like I, I don't call many things truth, but I really do believe that like, what the what is the saying? like your your projection 
of me is a direct reflection of you or something like that. And I feel like that is in itself. Like if we could say anything is a truth, that is one of, I think that's a truth, honestly. And once I realized that I was able to remind myself that I am safe to be embarrassed. I am safe to be rejected. I am safe to be misunderstood. The first video that I had that like went super fucking viral, like got a lot of fucking hate and I had people stitching me and just telling me that I had no idea what I was fucking talking about. And I was just some stupid fucking white girl that should shut her fucking mouth, like shut, like literally shut up and fucking die. Like gnarly stuff. I cried for like five days straight. Like I like sobbed. This was maybe like a year and a half ago. Sobbed. I felt so embarrassed, so rejected, so shitty. And then that one time it happened and then I realized it was all okay. Like it passed, a week passed, the video passed. People stopped hitting me up and messaging me. Every It was all okay. Like I didn't die. I didn't get fired. Like not like I could get fired. I didn't get blocked or banned or whatever. Like nothing actually bad happened. And I feel like once I proved to my brain that, okay, I am safe to be misunderstood. Like this video that i made was literally the nicest video ever and i like t- i took it to my friends and my therapist and i was like do you think that this is really bad for me to say and everyone was like no this is such a good video and i i would i went to people who would really tell me straight up if what i said wasn't okay and it was just the way that it was being interpreted and misunderstood and once i had that one moment where i realized i can be rejected i can be embarrassed i can be misunderstood and i can be also safe and it's actually doesn't really affect me at all unless i let it affect me that after that moment any other time i've gotten hate i literally don't cry i don't even flinch i don't even look at it i'm just like uh that is literally a a projection you know i'm more than willing to take feedback you know if i were to actually fuck up But when it came to things like this or just like getting random hate on the internet or just like being rejected even by like this happened like a couple weeks ago, like these girls that I don't really know, like totally thought I was like flirting with their mans or something like that. I'm like, girl, I have a boyfriend and I'm not into your man. Like I'm just bubbly. I'm like sweet and bubbly and fun. And and the reality is people are always going to misunderstand you because they're projecting their insecurities onto you. And once I realized that in the digital world and in my real life, everything changed because I don't do things to impress other people because you really it doesn't it doesn't matter what you do because people are going to project on you whether they like you or they don't like you. And it's none of my business. It's not my business to manage other people's projections and expectations of me at all. Like, I just don't even think it's my business at this point. Yeah. I don't even know what I was getting into, but it is say you are safe to be embarrassed. You are safe to be misunderstood because really most like 99.9% of the time, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's a projection. It's something that they're dealing with and battling with in themselves. And in those moments when I feel rejected or embarrassed or shitty, instead of putting the intention on me and thinking how I feel, instead I imagine myself sending that person white light and love and and just the best energy because they're obviously hurting. And when we come from that place of love, compassion, and empathy, it rids ourselves of that inner ego and that inner critic because when love exists, Fear cannot. Boom. And my job. (laughs) 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 This is so you you ask the best questions, dude. Like I'm just like loving, like, like I said, I had nothing planned for this. So I'm just going with the flow. (laughs) But you ask the best questions, I feel like. 
that's what I feel like my role is as an interviewer or as some, I, I like to just like uh, try to ask something that will get someone to share about their experience or yeah. share something interesting. Um, yeah, well, that was interesting. The first time I got hit on the internet, dude, it was like so, I like remember I was standing in this room like sobbing, like literally sobbing, being like, everyone hates me. Like people literally telling me like, I basically was saying like, it was something like, oh, you'll know when something's meant for you and you know when something isn't meant for you. And people like took that the wrong way around like life wasn't meant for them. And just like saying what I was saying was like so harmful. And I was just so sad because all I want to do is help people. Mm-hmm. And it was just like entirely misconstrued. And for the first like 100,000 likes, everyone loved it. And that's why I went viral because people loved it. And then once it got past the threshold of people who aren't in a space that resonated with me, once it got past that into like the real world, not the mental health space on TikTok, that's when it just went like crazy. So I think we just have to understand that there's people that are for us and there's people that will understand us and get us. And then there's people that won't understand us and won't get us. And that's honestly okay. And it's also important to impra- like to practice being embarrassed. Like I do it in the little ways every single day. Like I'll just be weird in public <laughs> or just like, I don't know. I'll just be like weird or say something weird or be dancing like in the grocery store, just vibing by myself. And when we practice in the little ways to not care what people think about us, you learn to almost build up a callus for it. You just like, don't really give a fuck anymore. Like once you like start practicing, you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter what other people think of me. Like the, I, and the thing for me is like, I have the people in my life who I know that their opinion matters to me. And that's all you need. You need your counsel. I call them my counsel because they are my counsel. They are my people that I go to and I can ask them straight up like, did is this what i did like am i in the right am i in the wrong like what do you think and they will always be straight up with me they won't just be yes man they won't just agree to me like they have my back and they will call me out if i'm on my bullshit <laughs> or or they'll have my back if i'm having misconstrued ideas of myself and it's important to have that handful all you need is a handful of people who you care what they think and then everyone else doesn't really matter in my opinion oh, totally um I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, like, well, there's so many traps and blind spots that we have. And I think that's what you're pointing out is like, you need people that where I've been sitting with is like, is someone a good friend if they can't point out my blind spots? If someone's, if someone is always nice to me and they're a friend, but they don't have the guts to point out my blind spots, or if I'm down, if I'm spiraling, if they don't have the guts to say, yo, you're spiraling, like, <laughs> like suck it up, like change something about yourself. Um, like, is that a real friend? Um, but yeah. but then also, like, I think it's also important, like, uh, with people that disagree with us. I think I, I think there's a lot of value. I don't know. There's something about, like, respectful disagreement, though. From what, from what you were saying, it's almost like the, no, it's not like an openness, like, hey, I'm open to seeing your point of view. I disagree with it. It's just like a F you energy. But I think there is a different side of it, which is, like, someone genuinely disagrees and genuinely is open to discussing in in trying their best to find reconciliation or synthesis and i think that is that's something i'm seeking especially these days but there's something i wanted to say about the rejection point because i'm thinking about this a lot lately and there's almost like we talked about like the you take a little step every single day so you you take a small step every single day and then eventually you're like miles ahead you didn't even realize it or you have a breakthrough 
part of me is like, I don't think rejection fits into that, into that model because rejection is almost like you just have to like do it and feel the pain of it. And then, then realize that you're okay on the other side of it. Um, I don't know, something I've been playing with a lot. Like if I'm going to, if I have like my dream podcast guests and I reach out to them and they say, no, it kind of stings, but it's like, all right, life goes on, on to the, let's see who's interested. I don't know. There's, there's, there's a certain so like, just a, there's going to be so many no's and so many rejections, like, especially in the industry like that we're in, like there just is. And like, yeah, I agree. It is just like taking the sting and like still believing in yourself and being like, okay, well, if it's not this, then it's something better. And if it's not happening right now, maybe it's not the right time. And I just reminding myself of like the divinity of everything like that always helps me come back from that rejection because I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's not happening now, but maybe it'll happen in the future. Maybe it's not the right time with that person. And that that's just part of the journey, you know, but I totally agree. I feel like, yeah, rejection definitely never feels good. Like, you know, but there is a moment where it does callous a little bit and you care a little bit less. Never. I'm not saying it never, like it, it doesn't hurt at all. Like, cause it, it does. <laughs> totally. There's, there's almost like a, confidence in our ability to weather the hurt rather than the hurt being lessened is how I see it um yeah and there's something here as well which is I imagine that you have some thoughts on as well like when you feel the rejection it stings and I think what's important is is not letting stories build up on top of that sting right it's like there's sting there's a sensation of stinging pain in my gut right now but that's all it is it's just sensations of pain and if i don't add any stories on top of it it's not that bad like it's like it's it's painful but it's not terrible whereas as soon as i add all the stories on top of it it just gets more and more painful more and more resistance i feel more and more shitty about myself but but if i just sit with the raw sensation it's like okay here it is let's just yeah No, they've done like tests and like anger can only exist in your body for 90 seconds, but it's the thought and the meaning making and the story that we keep remembering that brings us back to the pain every single time. And I'm in a theme that's coming up for me right now and a big realization I'm coming to is that like pain is inevitable and chaos is inevitable. And honestly, bad shit happening is inevitable, but it is our, it's our reaction to those things that create our suffering. Like there's like a, I think there's a Buddha saying and and I'm totally gonna butcher it, but it's like, um, like pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. And I feel like that comes from the meaning making in the stories that we tell ourselves. Actually, I think I got that right. I think it was, I think I did the quote right. Um, but I totally agree. Like, for example, like you reach out to a guest and they just say no no, thank you, blah, blah, blah. But then you have the meaning making in your head. Oh, they looked me up. Like, they don't think I have enough followers. They don't like me. They don't think I'm good enough. It's like, boom, boom, boom. That's when the suffering happens. When in reality, that person's like, dad could have just died or something like that. And they just like, don't have the space to show up for you. And it has nothing to even do with you. And we have no idea, but instead we make it about ourselves and we take it personally. That's why the four agreements is like one of the best books ever. Cause it's like, don't take shit personally and stop making assumptions. Like that literally is causing us so much pain. Like every single time we make meaning and we make it about ourselves and, and we assume that we know what other people are going through or experiencing and that it has to do with us and that it's personal. Like when, when we do that, all we're doing is 
prolonging our suffering. So I love that you said that because the meaning making, I mean, and it's a natural human function of the ego. And like, we just have to also like accept it and give it grace. It's like, we don't have to hate on it too much, but it really does cause us a lot of suffering. And the more that we can have awareness for it, the quicker that it will shift. Like, I think we think we need to do a big grand thing to like fix our, 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 our patterns that we have, you know, developed over time, including meaning making. We have created this meaning making evolutionary for safety because when we can predict and we can guess what is going to happen in a situation, we think that we are keeping ourselves safe. And the main job of the ego is to keep us safe and keep us alive. So we have developed this meaning making, this assumption based programming in our ego so that we can keep ourselves safe. Because if I can predict that what's going to happen, if, for example, like in evolutionary times, like if I can predict when the lion goes to the watering hole, then I'm not going to get my head bitten off. <laughs> so the more that we can predict, we think that we're safe when in reality it is just causing us more suffering. And I think we need and I think we think we need to do this big grand gesture. This is what I was going to say. I think we, I think that we all think that we need this big grand gesture to fix it when in reality, all we need is awareness of it. As soon as you're aware of it, as soon as you call yourself out and you're like, damn, I'm really mean and making right now. I'm really making assumptions. I'm really taking it personally. Like as soon as you have awareness for it and you sit into the seat of the observer, the unconscious pattern already begins to unravel and you don't even have to do anything except have awareness for it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's incredible to to be able to notice all the stories that we we put on things. I think it's especially relevant with shame because it's especially like I'm not good enough. But if you notice that there's this feeling of shame and that it does not necessarily imply that belief, to me, that's what I've found so freeing. But there's also something interesting here, which is it can actually deteriorate deteriorate relationships as well. I've noticed this recently in my life where like some people will create elaborate stories that someone is mad at them or that they did something wrong and then come to find out it's like that was not the case for that person at all and there was no resentment at all and it's just so interesting to me how we can create these stories about how someone is relating to us how one of our friends is relating to us or something like that that if we don't actually check in with them and ask them if that's where they're at then we can just like get stuck in this like wild like illusory narrative about what's happening yeah that's why communication is so important like this even happened last week like i was at this meditation retreat and i became really good friends with this girl and i thought we were like hitting it off and then on like the third day she like ignored me the whole time and i was like so confused and taking it so personally but in reality she just like had her own shit going on and i like talked to one of the other girls and i was like did I do something wrong? And I just like started to like make assumptions and make it about myself and think that I did something wrong. And reality had nothing to do with me. And I got home and she texted me and she was like, so happy you came. It was so great to meet you. I want to come to Maui next week. And she wants to come see me. And like, she was on the big island and I was like, okay. I was like, but in reality that day, she just had like a day that she was super burnt out. Her, her threshold for socialization wasn't very high. Like I think we take people's like quietness or their burnout as something that we did wrong when in reality so many of us are just hitting our thresholds and hitting our breaking points and we need to have deeper like empathy and understanding and and also communication i think it's important to not make assumptions but i think also if you're the friend that is feeling burnt out 
I mean, I just like to communicate that to my friends so that people don't take it personally because a lot of people do. Like if I get quiet, my friends are like, is something wrong, girl? <laughs> They're like, why are you quiet? And sometimes I just have to be like, oh no, I'm just really, really tired. <laughs> like I'm just tired right now. And I think it's just important on both ends to like have better communication so that, um, you know, we can, I think it's important with, especially people you're really close with too. I don't know. I really like to protect my friends. I want to make sure that they're okay. And I never want them to think I'm mad at them. Cause I like hate when that happens to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. totally. So it's like both sides, you know, there's things that we can do on both sides to improve the situation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's always best to assume, have assumed good intentions on the other side. And at the same time, it's both, it's always the both end. And at the same time, if someone is like, being a time suck like totally draining us it's, we can assume like we can still put up a, a wall and be like hey I, I am assuming good intentions and also i'm not going to be around you or yeah. i don't know there's there's also yeah, like a protective is. energy that that can i feel like also needs to be the case like protecting our own our own barriers i totally agree boundaries are everything like and they don't even like some boundaries you have to communicate with people like this is my boundary and then others you just have to set energetic boundaries and have boundaries with yourself i think people think they need to put up all these boundaries with other people when in reality if you just put up those boundaries with yourself and know your worth and know what you need then um then it all kind of just like solves itself almost when you have good boundaries with yourself but also sometimes it's good well to communicate yeah, because if you if you don't know what you need, how are you gonna set boundaries around those needs? <laughs> I know, and a lot of us don't know what we need for sure. Like, I think that was my main thing that got me on my spiritual journey. Is like, I was really like angry and upset and reactive, and I would just like have outbursts and little adult tantrums. And I was like twenty years old. It's like, girly, what are you doing? And I didn't know what I needed. And when I started going to therapy, I realized like my whole life, I had just been disregarding my needs. So of course I had all this pent up anger and energy and upset and reactivity because I was not meeting my needs. And now that is always my first priority to like fill up my cup before anybody else's and listening to my own inner needs and checking in with myself and just being like, is this what I need to do right now? Do I need to rest or do I need to socialize or do I need to do work or do I need to go play? Whatever it is like, checking in for our needs is, is literally everything. Cause then if not, then we get resentful towards other people and towards ourselves. Yeah. And I think this is, this is part of the thing with the goal setting is we can be so analytical with how we set goals. Um, something I've been sitting with is like, what, what, what does it mean to understand our needs? And, it, and what I've come to the conclusion of is it's like sensing into the signals of my body. <laughs> I think it's, I think it literally just boils down to that, you know, like, can I sense, what my body is communicating to me and a lot and of times it's hard yes yeah, a lot of times it's hard to interpret what the signals mean like a lot of times even if i feel all the signals and sensations in my body a lot of times it's not entirely clear what they mean and so like understanding my needs i've come to the conclusion is like understanding what the signals actually mean if if i feel this it's because I'm burnt out and I need this. If I feel this, it's because I feel resentment and I need to go communicate. I don't know. Like there's, there's always like, actually like, it's like decrypting them almost. It's almost like code. And it's like, yeah, what is it actually saying? Versus I could interpret it wrong and think it means something. And then maybe it won't satisfy that need. 
Yeah, and in your like, do you mean like in your body, like what you feel, like like if you feel like your heart racing, or like is that what you mean by like your body signals, or like what does that look like? Yeah, like it, it could be physical, like your heart is racing, your your um, and you're sweating, and you just like feel really nervous. It could also be like emotional signals, right? It's like I feel this in my gut, and it's like a feeling of guilt. And that therefore means this is how I should show up or, or it could be, um, could be existential. Like I'm just utterly confused about what I want to do with my life. That like, actually, that actually like takes a physical form. Oh, it does. And like, when you have those existential moments, like what, like, what is the response to that? That is best. I get like, I literally have those like literally I feel like as a woman, especially like we encounter like cycles, especially like with our cycles of our bodies, like of constant death and rebirth and like our hormone levels are just like so up and down, which is like so different than like men's like, circadian rhythm, which is like every single day, almost death and rebirth, where like ours is 28 days. And yeah. I know like a lot of my friends, like we really do constantly like one, like once a month usually like struggle with like what the fuck am i doing with my life why am i even here like i don't even think anything that i'm doing is like worth like you know what i mean all those yeah. thoughts coming up no totally what's the totally, response to that totally and what yeah no i've been sitting with what is the response and a lot of times what i notice and i don't know if this is the same for everybody cuz i think everyone will have existential dread <laughs> yeah yeah dread existential anxiety just fear come up in different ways for some people it might just be like I don't know what I'm doing with my life for other people it's like what is the reason like what is the meaning of existence can or like or like like I'm going to die and that's terrifying and so therefore how should I live my life when I look at that fact um and for me how it shows up it's just a it's a visceral physical feeling of fear or almost like terror it's like it's like i have to come to terms with this fact that i'm gonna die or i have to come to terms with the fact yeah that i'm here for a finite amount of time and a lot of times it's like uh working with that physical fear so like a lot of times i will meditate and i'll just like sit with the feeling of fear until i can move through it but recently i've been noticing like sometimes that doesn't even do it like sometimes that actually makes it worse because i'm just literally <laughs> facing the void um but sometimes it's like, yeah, if I get under cold water, it, it changes my physiology in a way that I relate to the fear differently. And it's in, in, in it, as a byproduct, the existential dread also lessens. It's almost like a, I could like try to think my way out of it, but it doesn't really work to think your way out of existential fear. No. And so it's it like, does. sometimes it's just like, I, I literally think it could be as simple as, okay, I'm going to go for a bike ride i'm gonna yeah. get under some cold water like i don't know like anything that could change the physiological state can also change the existential philosophical uncertainty yeah. and something that i love like if somebody can't like get in like a cold like creek by their house or something like that or or maybe like your shower doesn't get that cold but cold showers are great but i love to like take like a ice bowl and i love to just do my face like you can just do like fill up an ice bowl and literally just do your face in that that also gives the same effect and like same thing for me like movement is really powerful like like i have a lot of fire energy in me so movement really helps me move through any sort of type of fear and anxiety sometimes it just literally needs to exit your body 
Yeah. So I love that actionable advice. Just blast some music and dance in your room by yourself. <laughs> yes. <I laughs> that love will never that. hurt. That will never hurt. You can't go it's wrong. the best. I love solo dance parties. I love dancing. Oh my God. So good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, it was great speaking with you. Is there anything else on your mind that you just have to get out? That I just have to get it out. <sighs> I think, you know, I'm just going to reiterate it because it's just been coming up a lot for me, this theme. And I know we talked about it, but definitely the fact that it is not the problems in your life that are the problems, but rather it's your reaction to the problems that is causing the suffering. I think that's something I've been deeply reflecting on. And the more that I feel like we all embody it, the more that we will lessen our suffering and the more that we will add to joy and play in our life. <laughs> and also something that comes up for me when I think about that is... I think we're always looking like, how can I get rid of anxiety? How can I get rid of sadness? How can I get rid of depression? How can I get rid of these things? We're thinking about moving away from when in fact moving towards is actually more beneficial for us. And, you know, for example, when you, what we resist persists, that's what I said before. If I say like, don't think of a purple pig, like all you're going to think about is a purple pig. It's going to like immediately come to your mind. Like whenever you focus on something and fixate on something it's gonna grow so i like to redirect my energy towards play towards getting in nature towards hanging out with friends that make me fulfilled and happy and we can laugh together towards art towards business towards creation towards the things that bring play and joy and happiness and fulfillment into my life rather than focusing on what i don't want and getting rid of the fear and the anxiety and all of that getting rid of it I rather focus on what I do want and adding more play and adding more joy and adding more laughter and adding more creativity. Because as we add these things, it leaves less space for the fear. It leaves less space for the sadness. And, it, and, and, and when love exists, fear cannot, like I said earlier. So I think for me, when you're thinking about how to move away from the fear, instead shift your mindset and focus on moving towards more play, more joy, more movement, more creativity, whatever brings you happiness and brings you joy, whatever makes you laugh, whatever makes you smile, whatever gets you excited about life, do more of that. And naturally the other things will clear out. Amazing. That's the last thought I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds very stoic. Like I hear that a lot in stoic circles of it's how you relate to the thing. It's not the thing in and of itself. That is the cause of the problem and also in a lot of buddhist circles i hear it framed as like detachment mm -hmm. you're not attached or desiring things to end up a certain way you're just facing it as it is something that was fascinating recently i was reading about a lot of people think of detachment and they think of like emotionally detached and like emotionless but there's this reframe of like detachment is not emotionless it's actually just facing it as it comes up fully without having aversion or like right, pushing or pulling against it, which is what I'm hearing and what you're saying. Yeah, the judgment, the judgment or the meaning making, like we were talking about before, like just literally being being aware of it and experiencing it because emotions are gonna happen. Emotions are literally just energy and motion. We are humans, that's what we experience. And when it comes up, if we push it away and we resist it, we, and we push it back or we lean into it a little bit too much, then yeah, we have that imbalance. So to 
sit with it, observe it, feel it, to cry it out, to dance it out, to move it out, to scream it out if you need to, like to, or even to talk it out, to talk to somebody. Like when we move through it, there's no, there's no way around it. There's no way around the hard things. You, we, the only way out is through. <laughs> like you just got to go straight through, truly. It's the only way to do it. If not, it's blocked. But I think you brought up a good point, which is like the only way is through, but at the same time, forcing yourself through it is almost just as bad as not as like avoiding it and sweeping it under the rug. So it's almost like there's like a natural pace at which we move through these things. Totally. It has to be intuitive. Like my friends like will text me and they'll be like, (laughs) my one friend does this from college. She'll be like, Kayla, like I need to move through this like father wound or like whatever it is. And I'm just like, that's not how it works. (laughs) Sorry, girly. I'm like, healing is intuitive feeling to heal like it has to be intuitive you can't force yourself to heal anything if it's not ready if it's not the divine time it can't be it it's going to come up in the perfect moment even if that moment feels like the most inconvenient moment ever it is coming up at the perfect moment and when we move through things intuitively that's how we actually move through them we can't force ourselves through anything either i totally agree it's both and like you can't like just sit back and avoid it or go around the other way but you can't just like force yourself into it if you're not ready like it has to be very intuitive i feel for like i feel like in a long for a long time in my healing journey i like would force myself through things i'd go to therapy and i'd be like okay this week i'm ready to work on this thing on myself and this comes back to what we were saying before like feeling like we're constantly a project that needs to be fixed. And it's just like, no, you're just a being that just has to experience and it's going to come up when it's going to come up. And that is that. (laughs) And you just got to go through it. So yeah, I totally agree. Well, yeah, it's like, I think that's what you mentioned earlier, but in both cases you're diving into it, but in one it's because I'm lacking and the other it's like, because that's what needs to happen. That's what the, that's what is flowing. What is flowing is going deep into this thing, not because I need to fix this thing. Yeah, no, the intuitiveness of it is everything. Totally agree. No, I love that. And yeah, yeah, the intention behind it is everything. When we have a different intention, it completely changes. So if your intention is to allow things to intuitively come up and go into it because you love yourself and you're willing to go through the hard things and feel the hard things, then that's amazing. But if you're doing it because you want to change yourself and because you hate yourself, then that's not that's not an intention that serves your highest self. But also, if there is hate there, that is also okay. Yeah, right? It all is honestly okay. Like, whatever you're experiencing right now, like, it's important to know virtues and to have, like, certain moral truths that you follow. I think that's amazing, but also we're human. Like I don't, what, everything I've talked about today, like I probably follow 80% of the time. Like I try to embody it as much as I can, but also I'm human and I'm a 24 year old girl. And like, sometimes I like do not remember anything I've ever learned and it all goes out the window. And like, that's also okay. You know, like healing isn't linear just cause you learn something doesn't mean you automatically embody it. And if you shame yourself because you're human and healing isn't linear, then you're just like hurting yourself in the process and suffering. So what I'm saying is it's all okay. I totally agree. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I heard a, a story once of like this uh, Buddhist who was meditating in a monastery and someone asked him, he was like older and he's been meditating for at least like three or four decades um like straight and someone asked him like what have you learned from meditating for so many years for so many years and like 
I think the interviewer was thinking of like, oh, like awakening is means this, or this is what spiritual enlightenment is. This is what it's like to have no self. And his response is, I learned that everything is just all right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of that's course. The, that's the big lesson. <laughs> It is like it is all good. Like even when it's not good, it's all good. <laughs> no, I love that though, and it is and it is not that simple, and it is that simple all at once, and that's the weird thing about life. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much, dude. This was so awesome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for speaking on the show. Uh, where can viewers find your work? Yes, so. I'm Kayla Rose, and you can find me on all platforms at Sundazed KK, like Sundazed when you're like in the sun too long and like you're happy, but you're like kind of dazed. Sundazed KK, I'm Kayla Rose, and I'm the podcast host of Skinny Dipping. Hopefully everything will be linked below. I'll send you my link so you can, anyone can just click if they want to find me in the podcast, and that's on all streaming platforms. And I also have a community, which is super awesome on uh, circles community it's the soul in progress community and i post exclusive resources on there it's like five dollars a month we have like a book club and like we have just like chat spaces to open up like soul social media conversations that's what i like call it and yeah so i have the community i have the podcast and then i have all my instagrams and tiktoks and youtubes and all that good stuff at sundays kk and yeah thank you for having me on yeah thank you uh all the links will be in the description Bye. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Becoming Conscious podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find the rest of my writings and musings on becomeconscious.substack.com. I've also been releasing quite a few clips and videos and thoughts on Instagram these days. You can find that on with the handle at its underscore Ethan underscore Nelson. Um, and you can also find Become Conscious on YouTube. I've been releasing the full video clips as well as some other ad hoc, short, five-minute videos, rants, that sort of thing. Uh, so definitely check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It means so much to me. If you made it this far, you are one of the committed listeners, and I really appreciate that. And yeah. Have an amazing rest of your day.